Good morning, everyone. This month, for those of you who've been following along, we're using Raymond Charles Barker's book, The Power of Decision. And it has a, a very subtle premise to it, I think, a very simple premise. It simply says, if our lives are made up of hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of decisions, if we get even this much better, even a tiny bit better at our decision-making process and in choosing even just slightly wiser, oh, the difference it will make. The power, if you will, of making good choices. So we started off by talking how this idea works because it's not so much the choices that we make out in the physical world as it is the choices right in our own thinking. Uh, the choices that we can make to uh, choose happiness over being right, for instance, we talked about last week. Or the, the choices that we make uh, that we think are trade-offs, but really it's, uh, it, it's not so much a trade-off as it is giving, giving in. And when we give in to the world, when we make these trade-offs that are any less than what we really choose, what we really deserve, what really our, uh, our heart is telling us to do, then the compromise leads us down a path of unhappiness. It leads us down a path of, of dismay and, and ultimately disillusionment. And so really this book is about choosing what we want. It's really a book about using our wisdom in choosing things that will bring us more joy, more love, more life, more kindness, more, more goodness in the world. Well, today is no different, and yet I wouldn't be surprised if we feel that it's different because the subject is around prosperity today. And, you know, when we've been talking about happiness uh, it's pretty easy to build a mental equivalent of what happiness is like. You know, what would make us feel good? What What is happiness? Uh, or, or if you were talking about love or relationship, I think we all have a, a pretty good idea of what those are in their highest and best forms. How it changes, though, I think, when we start talking about prosperity and living the good life or the rich life. And I want to illustrate perhaps where we go with a joke. So Morris had no education whatsoever. You know, he was functionally illiterate. He could neither read nor write, why he couldn't even sign his name. But you know what? Morris also had a brilliant mind, and he had a desire to succeed. So he started his own business, and it almost immediately began to prosper. He hired others, expanded the business, and through making ever better decisions and keeping to his dream, he was soon quite independently wealthy. Well, one day, his bank ran manager rang him up and said, Morris, I have a question on one of your recent checks. Could you confirm that you even wrote and signed this check? For years, you've been signing all your checks with two X's. But this one is signed with three X's. Is it yours? Did you write it? Why, Morris replied, well, yes, it is. But you know, since I've become so wealthy, I, I really thought I should use my middle name. <laughs> And I think, you know, I think here's the problem. It's like with other areas of our life, we're ready to assume or go with the idea that it's our mental makeup, our mental attitudes that affect our relationships, that affect uh, the way we are in the world with people and happiness and things like that. And then when it comes to something like money, all of a sudden we're back to saying, 
well, I don't have enough education, and that's why I don't have enough money. Or, or I was raised in a family that uh, just didn't have what it needed to, uh, to, to properly train me for life. Or, or I don't have the expertise for investing money. Suddenly, suddenly we go from it being an attitude and a mental construct to no, it's the stuff out in the world. It's the people and things that are opposing me. Do you know what I mean? Why is it that money has that power over us? Why is it that, that so many other things, we recognize it's our heart and it's our mind that are creating the opportunities for us, and then suddenly when it gets down to abundance, we're back down slugging through our lives, thinking that we have to toil really hard, you know, all the different kinds of thoughts and ideas around money. Well, I think I've discovered the answer. Well, I, I don't know. It's no great discovery, of course. But I've at least figured out an illustration that works really well for me. And it comes from the Oregon Museum of Science and Industry. Is everyone familiar with OMSI? Has everyone maybe even been to OMSI? Well, for years and years, when they, when they first moved to their, the new building that's over here on the, on the east side of town, they built it inside of this vast complex that used to generate electricity and heat for the east side of town. And so it had these amazing giant turbines in there. And for a while, they just sat there, and I think they, you know, they had some description and for the kids of what a turbine was and you know how electricity is generated and things like that. But a while, one of their engineers got really clever and they developed this one, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 ton turbine into a science experiment. And so they had cabled it to the ceiling and had a track and they had ball bearings. And what they had done was they had neutralized the weight but not the mass, not the inertia. And so how it worked uh, is, well, first of all, it didn't work at all if it was one person. One person could just push on that thing and push on that thing, and you know what? It didn't move an inch. But I tell you, you get a bus load of like five-year-olds in, and about 25-year-olds would start pushing on this thing, and you had to coax them, because at first it truly looked unmovable. But with their combined energy in a little bit, the darn thing would start to move. And so it would move, and eventually it would get a little faster and a little faster. And, and of course, to the kids, I think this is the, the power of what many people can do versus one person. But the real science part of it then was trying to stop the darn thing. Because on the other side of the room, here's this 10-ton this thing coming at you, and sure enough, an adult, no one person could stop that. It was the momentum, it was the inertia of that thing that had been set in motion, and it really took that whole busload of kids also to stop it. So there's a good news and a bad news story here about our heads. Are you ready for it? Our heads work that way. Our beliefs around prosperity, our beliefs around money, our beliefs around what's good and how much good we can accept in our lives, our, our beliefs are like that trajectory of that 10-ton thing. And the school bus full of people that got us started on that trajectory are the, the friends and family members of when we were small that started planting the ideas in our heads about what's true about money, what's true about rich people, what's true about us, what's true about prosperity, the ideas of having to work hard to get anywhere, the ideas of money doesn't grow on trees, the idea that we'll never have enough money, the, the initial fighting that we might have heard our parents when we were very young over household bills, all of 
those things were the 25 kids that were sending this 10-ton thing that is our brain forward into life with our beliefs about money. Now, it's no surprising then that when Raymond Charles Barker says, oh, well, this week we're going to talk about just deciding to be wealthy, that you guys are going, well, that would be a nice decision to make, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Well, of course not, because that 10-ton force of ideas around uh, wealth and money and ideas and where money comes from and what the abundant life is like and all that, it was set in motion, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, you know, for some of us, 50, 60 years ago. Derailing that, stopping it, coming up with a new idea, a new way of being, choosing, if you will, choosing to be prosperous over choosing our current life. This is not something that you can just do like that. We're going to start today, though. This is my promise. We're going to start today. We're going to finish up in October. In October, we're going to do a whole series on prosperity, and we're going to give you tools and techniques and and all kinds of things for creating in your own mind the mental equivalence of abundance, new ideas about wealth, new ways even of thinking about ourselves in relation to God's grace. We're going to do all that in October, but you know what? If we don't make room for it, If we don't do something about the old ideas, our current thoughts, if we don't start putting the brake on that 10-ton trajectory of our current beliefs, there's going to be no room for those thoughts in October. And I think one of the reasons why when we do a prosperity campaign, some people benefit greatly from it and others not so much, well, the not so much is because we're still stuck. We have, still have the momentum of our beliefs. And so that's what I want to cover today. Now, what are these beliefs that stand in the way of us earning more, feeling more complete, feeling more competent? What are the beliefs that we have that are most troublesome? And I've kind of divided them into three categories. And some of you are going to go, well, wait a minute. How do you know what I believe about money? You know what? We're not all that different. Most of the stories that we believe about money have been told for thousands of years, and they're not that much different now. One of them are just beliefs about the world, and these are the beliefs and the ideas like money doesn't grow on trees. Only a very few people can be prosperous. Money is hard to get. It's hard to invest. It's hard to grow. You have to work really, really hard to get anywhere in life. Remember those stories? All of us have been told those kind of stories, that money is limited. It's only for a few people. Sometimes we were even told that one person's money comes at the expense of other people's money because there's never enough to go around. These, my friends, are all lies. These are part of the thing that is holding us back now. We can have completely lives of abundance, of feeling satisfied, of having that sense. Well, in fact, here's the definition. Raymond Charles Barker defined prosperity, and I think he did a lovely job of it. He said, the ability to do exactly what you want to do in the instant you want to do it. This is what he would have for us. This is his understanding of prosperity, and I agree with it. The ability to do exactly what you want to do at the instant you want to do it. 
See, it even transcends the idea of money, doesn't it? Because it's more a sense of, yes, I'm powerful, I'm capable. I can have the experience I want of feeling content, feeling powerful, feeling rich right now. Don't have to wait. If I need to write a check, I can do it. This is the level of prosperity that is actually our birthright and If we believe those old things, if we believe that there's never enough, if we believe that that, that we can't have it, that it's really hard, that it's elusive or whatever. I mean, I even heard someone, I mean, here we are in the 21st century. I heard someone the other day do that old uh, money is the root of all evil thing. Remember that one? Oh my gosh. And they were equating the idea of, well, money is always bringing unhappiness. You know, all the really rich people in the world must be unhappy. Well, that's craziness. Well, I'm, I mean, what I know, what I absolutely know for myself and others is that unhappy people are both rich and poor. Do you know what I mean? Money's nothing other than a tool. It's, the, it's one of the energies of God, if you know what I mean. But it doesn't guarantee happiness. That's another issue altogether. And, and we'll talk about that too sometime. But what I do know is that our dreams, exactly as as we dream them, should be honored. We, we should allow the world, if the world wants to think that money is the root of all evil, then let it. But it doesn't have to be our story. We can choose to believe something different. We can choose to believe that the world is limitless. We can choose to believe that it is God's good grace to give us always what we need to have a vibrant and full life. You know what the other category of, uh, of common thoughts about money that hold us back are? It's beliefs about the rich. You know, I was counseling a young woman a couple years ago, and we were, I think, doing a pretty good job of building a sort of a mental equivalent of what the rich life would be like. And, and we were talking about, well, you know, how her life would play out if she had all the money that she needed, if she was financially secure. And I think it was making a nice mental equivalent, if you will, a nice picture to shoot for, you know, of what life would be like. And then I don't know, even know what I, why I thought to ask it, but I said, and what do you think of rich people? Oh my gosh, rich people exist at, the, at the, the suffering of the poor. Rich people are usually snooty. Rich people are undeserving. They cheat on their taxes and so on and so forth. And after a while, I looked at her and I said, you're never going to be rich then, are you? Right? Would we ever want to become that hated thing? Do you know what I mean? Now, there might be a thought in us, well, I will do it different. I will be the rich person that isn't doing it at the expense of other people. I'll be the rich person that is loved instead of hated, right? You know, I'll be the rich person that isn't on how to marry a millionaire that actually has, you know, a a decent relationship with his children. I'll be that other rich person. But I'm here to tell you, if those beliefs planted in early childhood, that momentum that I was talking about, is still giving you the message that there's something shady about rich people, that there's something not quite on the up and up, that they, they, they've earned their money at the expense of other people, if those thoughts are still in our head, there will be that psychological force always thwarting us from becoming that thing that we loathe or have problems with. Some of you are looking at me like this is the really bad news part of the story. And you know, maybe, maybe it is. 
Maybe it is. Maybe we actually get to know some rich people and find out that they're no different than us. Maybe we actually need to take a a good examination of what money is and what it does so that we can dispel some of this craziness. Because I do believe it's true. If there's something in you that believes that there's something shady or unhealthy or, or, or tinged somehow about living that good life, then you'll have difficulty obtaining it. Even if you would like to think you'll do it differently, there's going to be that same break, that same inertia that's going to keep you from it. All right. One more category of things that can hold our good at bay, and that is the beliefs about yourself. Some people, in their heart of hearts, do not believe that they are worthy of living the good life. They do not believe that they're smart enough, that they're pretty enough, that they have enough capability. They don't believe that, that given their family surroundings or the, uh, the, I don't know, the education level or whatever it is, they simply don't believe it's for them. And, and you know, there's that kind of, uh, well, uh, I think I've told it before as a joke. This time around, I'll just tell it as a story. It's the story of the person that was praying and praying and praying for money. And, 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 and one day the doorbell rang and the, the fellow came to the front door. And there was a Safeway sack with hundreds and hundreds of hundred dollar bills in it. A million dollars in cash sitting there. So first he called the police to see if the money had been reported stolen. And then he put an ad in the newspaper to find out if anyone had, had accidentally lost a big <laughs> pile of money. And, and then, you know, and this is the joke, he did just about everything he could do to give that money to somebody else because he knew that it wasn't his money. This is us at our most undeserving, right? This is us not able to see that the universe would do almost anything to bring us our heart's desire to make our lives easier, to make our lives filled with joy and comfort and ease. And we would do just about anything to thwart that if we don't think it's for us. You know, I always laugh. They're doing all these TV commercials right now about this uh, patent medicine and this drug, and they all say, ask your doctor if such and such is right for you. (laughs) Well, I want to suggest that living a good life is right for us. Let me be the doctor in this area, and my prescription is that you can have your heart's desire. And it does, like in our joke for today, it doesn't matter whether you have a college education or not. It doesn't matter whether you were born in a trailer like I was. It doesn't matter. What matters is right here and right here. Those are the only two things that matters. Is your heart open and ready to receive life's bounty? And is your mind ready to reorient itself to new ideas about prosperity? Are you willing to put aside some of those crazy thoughts of, of limited wealth and, and it's hard? And I still remember, uh, you know, actually my history of money in terms of my parents was pretty good. Uh, my mother and father were both really sharp, uh, both around money and the ideas that go with it. But I still remember to this day my one grandfather uh, worked for 20 years in a mill at kind of minimum wage, and it literally broke his back, 
I mean, literally. I, I, I mean, you would see him in, in his elder years, and he walked like this. And his idea of money was you work and work and work and work and work, and sometimes you even have to get a nighttime job as well just to make ends meet. Have you ever heard the just to get it, make ends meet? Oh my gosh, what a scary message to give to anyone, right? We can receive right here in the heart. It doesn't require our muscles. We can begin having thoughts and mental equivalents of what it is like to, to live an open and loving and rich life with, without having to get a college degree at it or a, a, you know, a, to be a financial planner or something like that. Now, it is true that when we're on a path, when we have made the decision to become prosperous, well, there are things that maybe will help us in that area, right? I mean, we can learn how to invest money. There are things we can physically do to move us forward, but I tell you, that's not the stumbling block here. To really get started in the prosperous life is to accept it first in your heart and to be willing to really look at what you think about wealthy people, what you think about money, and what you think about yourself right now, and be willing to make the mental changes necessary. Well, you know where this is leading, right? It's homework. <laughs> the good news is, this time the homework, you have clear until October. <laughs> because we really are going to do a, a lovely uh, a four or five part series, giving you lots of tools and techniques for how to change your mind on this. But in the meantime, I want you to examine those three areas around your beliefs around prosperity right now. I want you to check out your beliefs around money and prosperity in general, around rich people and the rich and people who have a lot of material wealth. And I want, to check, I want you to check out your beliefs about your own worthiness on this planet. Because any one of those will be complete stumbling blocks to living the lovely life that we so deserve. So I'm going to close today with a quote from, uh, from this book on, and, and this section on deciding to live richly. And here is what he says. He says, your heart's desires are your primary asset. They indicate the experiences that you can have when you make the decision to have them. They are mighty potentials awaiting your attention. They should never be ignored. With correct spiritual understanding, they can now emerge in your life to fulfill your dreams. As you think about them, you know they stir within your consciousness as a baby stirs within the mother's womb. They want out. They want to be made visible by means of you. Opportunity is knocking on the door of your intuition, trusting praying that you will open that door. I'm going to close today with a prayer, and uh, Raymond Charles Barker is very sweet. He actually has treatments written right out in the book, and I'm just going to read this one for us. Here's our closing prayer. The infinite is always imparting itself to me. It created me in order to give itself away by means of me, I am that divine recipient of all of the ideas of life, of truth, 
of prosperity and of love. I now accept these ideas from the bounty which has already been given to me. My subconscious mind rejoices in this new material with its creative directives. It creates new situations better than anything that has gone before. These new situations, these new ways of living are means by which I give myself a better world and I also give it to humanity in general. I am the receiving and distributing process of the divine mind. I know this is true. I respect myself for this. I give praise and thanks for it. I let it be and so it is. Thank you for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you.